We're continuing our series on following Jesus. Just a few more in that series to to go. Um, It's a topical series um, covering things that we don't often cover when we're going through a book of the Bible. This week we're focusing on the fact that true love is from God. Do you know the name of the oldest poem, the oldest love poem that uh, that the people know of? Well, according to the Guinness Book of Records and archaeologists, it was it was just over four thousand years old, and it was written on clay tablets or clay tablet. It was discovered by archaeologists, and the 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 poem begins. Bridegroom, dear to my heart, goodly is your beauty, honey sweet. <laughs> well, cheesiness isn't something that's exclusive to <laughs> to here and now. <laughs> Maybe it sounded better back then. We don't know. I don't think it would win any poetry competitions, but <laughs> archaeologists catalog these things by the place where they were discovered and its number whatever in their catalogue and this poem has the the title Istanbul number 2461 (laughs) not a very romantic title but that's what it's known by but that just goes to show that the need for love love poems, love songs are not just something that have started in the last hundred years they've been as old as the first poem is a love poem the oldest poem that we that we know of outside of the Bible. It seems to have been just a little bit older than the Song of Solomon, which is a, an extended love poem in the Bible. Love songs reflect people's desires for love, their commitment to those who they love, but also their struggles or pain whenever they fall out of love or break up. One song that comes to mind when we think of the whole topic of love is Freddie Mercury, lead singer of the band Queen, singing those familiar words, Can anybody find me somebody to love? When it comes to love, the topics are generally somewhere on the spectrum of looking for somebody to love, enjoying loving somebody, or struggling with potentially breaking out, breaking up with somebody that they love or coping with the aftermath of it. People don't want to be on their own. People want people need to be loved. We're created to be loved. People enjoy being in love and people don't want to break up. And people struggle after breakups. And these are the things that are often on people's minds when we think of the whole topic of love and over and over this whole pattern of wanting love of struggling to keep in love and then coping with breakups and and the struggles of people not loving the way they ought to that just has been down through the centuries we struggle generation after generation we go through the same well-worn path of looking hoping it'll stay and then coping with the the difficulties or the breakups. 
People fall in love, but they get tempted by others and relationships break up. People become desperate and they settle for people who really are sometimes abusive or controlling and so on. You've probably heard the saying, insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Humanity has been doing the same thing over and over again and expecting and hoping each time that this time it'll work out. This time they'll be faithful. This time they won't hurt me. They won't break up with me. What is the secret to finding true love? What is the secret to not going down the well-worn path of struggles and breakups? If we want to know what the secret to finding true love is, we have to go to its originator. We have to go to God. Well, we read the Bible. In the Bible, that God created man and woman and families and society where love ought to abound. Actually, that's not where love began. Love isn't something that God decided one day to do that he hadn't done before. To create that wasn't there before. John tells us, God is love. And anyone who doesn't love doesn't know God, for God is love. God is love. If we want to know love, we need to know God. And we struggle on without, so many people struggle on without knowing God. And their love is fractured, it's imperfect, it doesn't last and we go on and on in this cycle of seeking, hoping, and struggling and failing. Sometimes experiencing the better side of love. But generally speaking, it's not the way it ought to be. If we want to know love, we need to know God. You're familiar probably with the, probably the best known verse in the Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world. Actually, it sounds good, but actually the that's old English. It's for God so loved is this is so this is how God loved. The actual translation into modern English is better. For this is how God loved the world. And that is actually very helpful for us. Because it focuses not so much on the old English coming across today as how much God loved. For God so loved the world. But the modern translations, the better translations, tell us that it's not about how much God loves. We know he loves us so much anyway. But that's not what the translation means. It means, for this is how God loved the world. He gave. He gave his one and only son. We often focus on the end of that verse, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. But let's just focus for a minute. Let's remember that the start of that is, for God loved, this is how God loved the world. He gave Many people struggle with love because 
They're not giving. They're looking to receive. They're not following the pattern of how God loves. The essence of true love, godly love, is that it gives. It's other person focused. The essence of worldly love is that it's self-centered. It's, it's me-centered. Frey Mercury's words, can anybody find me somebody to love? It sounds as though he wants to give to some, but actually, well, whether he meant it or not, the, 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 the meaning that a lot of people have when they, when they relate to that song is, I need somebody who will love me is probably more accurate to, to how they're thinking. I need somebody that will give me love. How can I be fulfilled by someone else loving me? Very often when, I remember when we were, before we were married, we did a marriage counselling, um, a couple of evenings, a, a short course with a pastor. And one of the things he said was that a lot of people, when they're getting married, the young girl and the young guy, they think, great, they seem so much in love, they're so enthralled with each other. But the emotions and the, and everything can can actually hide sometimes the fact that they're not built on a good relationship. If both of them are think are just giving to each other, that's brilliant. But what often happens is the guy's thinking, "She's wonderful. She's going to make me really happy," and the, the girl's thinking, "He's wonderful. I'm going to be so blessed having him." And they're both thinking about what they can get from the other person. And then things become a bit more difficult and they're not getting as much. And they think, what am I in this relationship for anyway? Whereas instead, a biblical relationship, a biblical view of love is about giving. It's about enjoying to give to the other person. And when both people are giving, both people are receiving. But when both people are looking to get... Well, they can just drain the life out of a relationship. God's design for love is not about me. It's not self-centered. It's other person-centered. It's about giving. God gave the Savior and we are to give love to others. Godly love is about giving love. Worldly love is about receiving love. God's version of love for us is that we must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And a second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Worldly love is me focused. But what God requires of us, there's nothing about me in that. It's about loving God and loving others. It's Outward, upward and outward. It's, it's looking away from me. It's not looking towards me. It's not about what I can get. It's about what I can give. Worldly love is me-centered. Godly love is other person-centered. Loving God and loving others. It's often been said that the English word that we have for sin those three letters, S-I-N, has I in the middle of it. 
And although it's different in other languages, but it's helpful to, in, in English, that sin has me and I at the center of everything. It's all about me. Whereas godliness is about serving and loving God and loving our neighbor as we would love. We have no problem loving ourselves. But as much as we would love ourselves, we've got to put that focus on our neighbor. But they don't deserve it. That's what we might think. They, they haven't been good to me recently, so why should I be good to them? Or I don't even know them. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. God loved us while we were still unlovely. God loved us while we were still sinners. His love for us wasn't a response of, they deserve it, they've been good, let me give them something in return. Our love for others shouldn't be about, well, I'll just give them back what they've given to me. And if they haven't given me much, well, I'll only give them a little back. If they haven't given me anything, they can't expect anything from me. Godly love is unconditional. Godly love gives. Even when the person doesn't deserve it, that's what grace is. That's how we have received God's love. Just incidentally, the love that that God has didn't begin with his relationship with us. He is love. And that love was experienced between the Father loving the Son and the Spirit, the Son loving the Father and the Spirit, the Spirit loving the Father and the Son. Love within the Godhead. God is love. And he shares that with us by his grace. Jesus suffered and died. He gave his life for us. The Father gave his one and only Son for us. And love, in that greatest example, that greatest demonstration of love that the world has ever seen, Christ's atoning sacrifice on the cross, where he went through agony. Love is not always about good feelings. Jesus died on the cross and he didn't feel good about it. But what he did was done out of love for us and it blessed us. Singer-songwriter Don Francisco sang, Jesus didn't die for you because it was fun. He hung there for love because it had to be done. And despite of the anguish, his word was fulfilled. Love is not a feeling, it's an act of your will. You don't have to feel loving towards other people to love them. Jesus didn't feel good on the cross, but he loved us. Sometimes love is difficult. It's being patient. It's holding back when you want to say something, even if it's deserved. Love is sacrificial. 
means caring for your neighbor, just like the good Samaritan cared for the beaten up person on the road. It means giving to those who are not like us. Do you know, often when we give to others, it's not that we're really giving to others. It's often a, an extension of ourselves. You know, if if we're in a, if we've got a group of friends who are maybe supporters of the same football team, well, they're just like extensions of me. They have the same values as me. I'm really loving what is like me. It's a sort of a me-centered type of love still. My family, they're mine. It's still a me-centered in some way. But God's love, the the good Samaritan's kind of love is where there's no connection, there's no sense of unity, there's no sense of connection with this other person. There may even be enmity, Nothing in common. They might have a different culture, a different race, a different language, different religion. And yet we love them. Not because of how lovely they are or how much of a connection we have with them. We love them because love is giving. And that's how God gave to us. Godly love isn't about whether people deserve it. Godly love is more about the character of the giver than whether the person receiving it deserves it or not. When we love others, we ought to be loving them not because they deserve it, but because we are loving people. If we are children of God, we ought to live like children of God. And this makes it clear that you don't need to be in a relationship to experience true love. You can experience true love in any context where there's other people. Worldly love is feeling gratification for a while, but it soon fades and people are left empty again. But godly love, it it's often hasn't got gratification at the start. It often is difficult, painful, self-sacrificing but it brings a long-lasting sense of fulfillment because we walk closer to God in the process and worldly love defines love by worldly standards it doesn't define love by God's standards it defines love by what we define it as It's self-centered, it's man-centered, it's not God-centered. It leaves out the rules that God gave for love within a marriage between one man and one woman and in marriage between a family, within children, between a community, between communities. Worldly love says, we're not following God's rules, we'll love who we want, we'll relate to who we want. And we'll do it in our own way. There is an overlap where there is a sense of being blessed. There is an overlap in in the sense of doing good to others, being charitable between worldly love and godly love. But there is also things which are different and incompatible. 
And when God, when worldly love doesn't work, it's because we've gone down the worldly route. We're not following God's rules, God's way of love. When we love our neighbor, it's not because they need it primarily. It's which is what the world does. Just leave God out of it. Let's just focus on neighbor. How many times when people are asked, talking to you about whether they're good or not, they say, but I don't do any harm to anybody. They don't even say, but I love everybody. They don't even focus on loving their neighbor. They just focus on not doing any harm to their neighbor, which is, uh, it's taking the good out of love and just saying, well, I'm not doing any bad. But, they also forget completely that love is not just about loving others. We're meant to love God with all our heart, mind, soul and strength. And loving our neighbour ought to be an act of worship to God. It's not ultimately because people have the right to be loved. People have the responsibility <coughs> to love others. And that is God's way of fulfilling the need that everybody has. And everybody should be loved. But we should be focusing on our responsibilities to love others rather than their responsibility to love me. When we want to find out what love is like, Paul wrote to the Corinthian church about many things, gifts of the Spirit and many things. But he says... It doesn't matter how great you are in many things in life. You can be the best in business. You can be the best gifted in the church. You can speak in tongues. You can be a great preacher. You can, have, you can be able to do miracles. All kinds of things. But it doesn't matter what our natural talents are or our spiritual gifts it doesn't matter if we've done all the things that God tells us to do technically, but if we haven't done them with an attitude of love, they're hollow. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship, that I may boast but do not have love, I have nothing. Godly love is different. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy, it doesn't boast, it's not proud. It does not dishonor others, it's not self-seeking. It is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. It does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. How do you know you're loving someone? It's not measured by how good you feel about them. It's measured by how much you put yourself out for them. It's measured by how patient you are with them. It's measured by with how kind you are to them, even when they've had a bad day or are in a bad mood and they're, they're not great company to be around. It's measured by how you don't envy others, how you don't covet what your neighbour has, but you're happy that if they have something, well, praise God, I'm happy for them. Godly love is not proud or self-promoting. It's not me-centered. It's not self-seeking. It's not selfish. It 
doesn't keep bringing up things that people did in the past, even in the heat of an argument. It doesn't have a secret smile when other people get hurt. Too often through the troubles, when something has happened and something's on the news and people are eager to hear, well, okay, somebody's been hurt, there's a bomb, or somebody's been killed. And then they hear, oh, oh, it's okay, it wasn't one of ours. It wasn't somebody from our community. It's okay. That attitude is not godly love. We ought to, we ought to feel the pain of, of people, the hurt that people go through, regardless of whether they have a connection with us or not. Love does not take sides. It's on the side of truth and rejoices when truth is found, regardless of who it is linked with, regardless of who speaks it. Thankfully, there is, as I said, an overlap between worldly love and godly love because we are made in the image of God and we know something of that image. That image is not completely marred. People are able to love a little and it's a joy to see wherever it is found. And whenever you see a father or a mother smile, a loving smile at their child, and especially if that child gives a loving smile in return, a loving smile that says, Mom or Dad, I love you, I trust you. The, the care of a parent towards a child, whether it's affection, whether it's care, whether it's a deep love for that child, that is a taster of God's love for us. The love that we can have at its best is a reflection of the image of God in us. God's love reflected in us. Whenever you see a couple show affection to each other, whenever you see the best of of love between two people, that is a reflection of the love between Christ and the church. Paul tells us, after talking about the, the love between a husband and a wife, that this is a great mystery, but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. Romantic love, marriage love, at its best, is a reflection of the love between Christ and the church. So, in a relationship, if we want to know what true love is, we need to know Christ. Husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church, without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. The church is often described in the Bible as the bride of Christ, reflecting, as Paul says, that mystery where the marriage relationship at its best that we can see reflects to some degree the love that Christ has for his people. But godly love isn't limited to marriage relationships. It's to be experienced in families and communities and friendships, in charitable organizations and 
mission and work in, in many other contexts. Within the church, Paul tells the church at Rome, don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong, hold light, tightly to what is good. Love each other with a genuine affection. Take delight in honouring each other. Most of all, most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sins. When we sin against each other, well, ultimately, sins are against God. And we can forgive each other because Christ has forgiven each other, each one of us in church. And ultimately, we can leave things with him and he will settle the justice on the judgment day. So love can cover a multitude of sins. There are times when we need to deal with sin, certainly on major things, and we shouldn't let things be left unaddressed. We shouldn't sweep things under the carpet. But there's times on smaller things that love can cover a multitude of sins. Jesus tells us, so now I'm giving you a new command, love each other just as I have loved you, you should love each other. And John tells us, loving God means keeping his commands and his commands are not burdensome. Christ tells us to love one another and John tells us we ought to love God by keeping his commands. Jesus tells us, if you love me, obey my commandments. There's many people say that they love God, but how can that be measured? How do we know, how can we see somebody's love towards God? Well, if we were to use modern language, if we were to say, you know, when many people have different love languages. But what's the love language of Jesus? It's obedience. If you love me, obey my commands. He says later, those who obey me are those who love me. If we love God, if we love Jesus, we will obey him. If we love him, we will love our neighbors as well. And once we come to God and are living according to his ways, those words, can anybody find me somebody to love? They take on a different meaning, a different emphasis. Instead of being me-centered, I need somebody to love me. They can instead be seen as a motivation. I want to love others. I want to do good to others. I want to bless others. I want to not necessarily receive from them. I want to give. Godly love, true love, is a giving love rather than a taking or receiving love. If we're struggling in our relationships, we need to consider whether it's because we're too self-centered. If we give more, we will be more fulfilled. Others will be blessed. And if others give more too, we will be all the more blessed ourselves. Instead of just taking from each other, let's give more 
to each other. Let's keep filling up our acts of love with towards others with kindness, patience, of generosity, of giving. And Jesus is our example. No one is more loving than he was. No one is more kind than he is. No one is more forgiving, more patient than he is. Most of all, let's receive that love of God through faith in Christ. And if we haven't known that love before now, if we haven't trusted in him, we can trust that he died on the cross for our sins. That that relationship that is broken between us and the Father is restored through faith in Christ. And trust that God loves us, not because of how lovely we are, but despite our sin. He has atoned for our sin. And as we struggle with our sanctification, we keep coming to him and seeking forgiveness again and again. One preacher, David Slagle, he wrote about his love for his son. He says, my 21-month-old son, who had just learned to say daddy, has been struggling with asthma and an ear infection for for two weeks. He coughed and sneezed continually and his nose ran like a tap. And each night when I came home, he ran to meet me at the door, smiling, coughing, nose running, yelling, Daddy, Daddy. I wasn't repulsed by his runny nose or close-range sneezes in the least. He slimed every shirt I own. I love him deeply and enjoy his love for me. It does remind me, though, that when I'm sick with sin, God loves me deeply and desires that I run to him as a son, crying, Abba, Father. If you're already a follower of Jesus and you need forgiveness, then turn to the cross. If you haven't received that forgiveness, turn to the cross. And know the love of God, that close fellowship with Jesus. He loves us when we are not lovable. And he is transforming us. We ought to come to him as we are. And we ought to love others as they are. And now these three remain. Faith, hope and love. But the greatest of these is love. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you loved us before when there was anything that was lovely in us. While we were still sinners, Christ died on the cross for us. Father, we thank you that you gave your one and only Son. We thank you that your love is unconditional. We thank you that your love is merciful and gracious. Lord, help us to enjoy and appreciate that love. Help us to keep coming back to you, drawing ever closer to you. And help us, Lord, to know that true love, not only from you, but to know that true love, being able to give it to others as well. Lord, help us not to have a worldly love. Help us to have a godly love, to love our neighbour as ourselves, 
and to love you with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. In Jesus' name, amen.